Welcome to another episode of Qual the Fray. Number five. Number Wrong. Seven. Wrong. <laughs> episode Eight? number six. Something like that. It is yeah. six, I believe. Perfect. Qual the Fray. Doc Valentino. William Nilly. We out you. <laughs> doing shit. I'm just doing shit. So this week we wanted to talk about, um, you know, kind of following the same theme that, that we've we've been following. We talk about how we manage all of the, you know, the noise in our, our life on a day-to-day basis and how we come to terms with, with things as they are. And, you know, we, we talk about finding ways to, to, you know, to manage and, you know, just really get through. But in keeping with that theme, one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, was, you know, what what's a good job? Um, because when we talk about, you know, being you know, self-actualization, we talk about, you know, like knowing who we are, where we're at, being comfortable with that fact that, you know, this is, I, all of my needs are met, my bills are paid, I, you know, I, I know who my friends are, I feel like I belong in this, you know, this, um, you know, this ecosystem. One of the big ecosystems is it's your job and, and, and how much of, you know, that, that takes, how much energy it takes and how much time and, you know, the, the amount of, time I, I mean it's the only, it's the only way you yeah. put it it's like it's just, it's the time that you that you put in there and then um you know I, I always hear people talk about you know don't ever let a, a workplace tell you that they're your family and like yeah i mean I, I i see that i understand why you would say that but it, it's also very hard to not you know to be with a group of people for 8 10 12 hours a day and and not have some sort of you know feeling or connection to them but a big part of feeling secure in that environment is is you know am i doing a good job am i am i well liked uh, am i do i fit in do i you know am i being a good neighbor we talked about that last week mm-hmm. um and, and you don't get to that place where you're going to i think you know extend the olive branch if you aren't that person that feels really good about where you're at mm-hmm. so you know what i want to talk about today is you know what's a good job um, and what does that mean? And it means so many different things. No, so many different things. So, like, if I were to ask you, Doc, like, what is a good job? Like, not, and I'm not talking about, you know, technically. I'm talking yeah. about, like, what what's a good job look like if you had an employee or if you, you know, even from from your perspective? Yeah. So, you know, you, the old cliche is, you know, if you if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, right? Everybody says that, Uh but unfortunately, most people don't follow their dreams and they don't do, you know, what they love. It's not their passion. You, you kind of, you hone some skills over the years, right? And you figure out what you're good at that doesn't bother you to do too much. <laughs> and then you take those skills and you basically make yourself valuable. If you wake up and the first thing you think of is, man, I fucking don't want to go to work today. You probably shouldn't be doing what you what you do now. You know, just getting up and getting motivated is a whole different whole different thing that that's job related or not. Um, but if you if you enjoy what you do, and unfortunately, <laughs> I think even if you do enjoy what you do, uh, if you're if you're not if you're thinking about it all the time, if you're at work when you're not at work, that's probably a problem. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I think because I definitely value more than more than uh, money uh, and everything else is I really value the work life balance that you get from a profession. And that doesn't just mean if you have a doctor's appointment, you can go to it or if you have to take your kid somewhere, you have to go. It's not just PTO time that is accounted for that. And a lot of people, they, they look at their flexibility for a job and they say, OK, you know, that's that's uh that's a work-life balance, but truly I think the work-life balance is your state of mind. If you're thinking about work, if you're dreaming about work, <laughs> you know, uh, when you're not at work, then I don't think you have that work-life balance. It's work all the time. When you're with your family, you're thinking about work. That's not good. You should be thinking about your family when you're at work. It should be the opposite of thinking about work when you're with your family. 
Yeah, I, that's it. It's interesting that you went that way, and and maybe I should have been more clear. Maybe <laughs> about you know what I what I'm what I mean is, you know, what does doing a good job look like? But I I like that you took it that way because yeah. I, I think that it when you're looking at it through through that lens, uh, I think it says you know it says a lot more. Um, you know, because like what do you whenever we're you know you're looking for the next job or you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. that it that's it's definitely the things that you consider mm-hmm. but uh, what i'm what i meant more along i meant is like what what does doing a good job look like that's difficult for me because for me i i always have such a expectation for myself that i'm not i'm not going to meet i'm never going to be happy with the job i do and if your employer and your coworkers are happy with what you're doing you know i've been through 360 reviews so basically you have, you know, peers, subordinates, managers, and everybody kind of review all aspects of what you do from personality to your technical skills to whatever pertains to your job. And I think if you're getting good reviews on that type of thing, you're meeting the expectations. I think where a lot of people fall short is the expectations are never even set. You know, you have bad managers out there that aren't setting expectations for their workers. The people don't want to go to work and do a bad job. They want to go do a good job. They might be trying their damnedest to do a good job and they're always screwing up, but they were never given the expectation of what to do. They were never shown how to do something or, or what to do in order to meet the expectations. Yeah, you have to have so expectations or, you, or you're always going to fall short. You're never going to do a good job because what is that? You know, what do you expect from me? Yeah, that's that's exactly why I wanted to talk about this because I think that it it, it it's so it's subjective and and that what is a what a good job looks like here might not be what it looks like there. You might find that um, you know the the expectation is different. Um, so you know, I, I maybe I work my ass off. Maybe the um, you know I'm I'm the first one in the office, the last one to go home, and that's what a good job looks like. Um, I'm answering the phone whenever. You know, maybe that's not the expectation. You know, maybe that's that's what a good job looks like. Um, the reason that I brought this this subject up is, I, I think that there's a, a big disconnect uh, between how we perceive. You know, it, and it and it really is that perception versus reality. You know, what my perception, your reality. Um, you know, that that's a big part of that dynamic, and you know how you function. In in that ecosystem, whether it's you know work your relationship with your boss, the organization, um, you know your subordinates, your peers, whatever that looks like, um, but whenever you even you zoom out even further, some of the things that we're seeing that that really bother me on a on a deep deep level are that you know, we I think we we are all to your point nobody goes to work with the intent to do a bad job. Mm-hmm. And even though you were doing a good job, you could have really ugly consequences that come from that. Um, you know, that wouldn't, I mean, I think maybe that speaks to why you have the things that have happened where, um, you know, you have insider trading or you have, you know, the situation in, um, you know, 2008, 2009, where, you know, banks were, their lending practice were predatory. Like, these are things mm-hmm. that someone said, hey, I want you to go out and get as many loans as possible, and I don't care how you do it. Do it. And they did. So somebody did a really good job. But ultimately, the consequences were dire. Right. right. And I see that a lot. And I, and I see that in how we, we operate and function um, in society today is we, we tell ourselves that, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good job. Like, that. I, I need to do this thing because, you know, your livelihood depends on it, right? Like, I'm going to go out and be the best at this thing because the expectation is that that I meet the expectation. But the reality and the consequence of that expectation can be very different. Mm-hmm. And where I see that the most is um, with, with education. Uh, something that has never made any sense to me is why there are, and it, and it varies state to state, you know, locale to locale, like, you have certain areas that put a, a ton of emphasis on school education. Like we want to be the best school or the best district. And, and that's the goal. That's the aim. And how do you achieve that? 
what makes you the best? Well, right. Um, you know, whenever you, and I, I think the way that we look at it now is test scores or, um, there are a ton of different metrics that they use and it just depends on what, you know, what you want, you know, we're, we're really looking at, you know, what, what's, what is the good job, right? Like right. what's the narrative of the district? You know, what are we looking to fulfill, uh, to, to meet that, that need? And if it's, you know, if it's student satisfaction, then, you know, we're the best at it. So we did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at how we incentivize that, that's where it gets really different. Um, and that's where I, I, I really struggle because I, you know, my, in my work history, I've, I've been involved with, you know, this, uh, on, on multiple different levels. Um, and I, and I see the result. Um, you know, if, if we're, if our job and our aim as a teacher is to, to hit a, a test score, right. That's what our focus is going to be because that's what my yeah. boss said I need to do. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. But the problem is focusing on the test score, not focusing on what's going to get you there. Right. And and I think that that's where this this idea of discretionary effort comes in, mm. and, and and that's the difference between being okay at your job and being great at your job. It's the willingness to to do what somebody else maybe wasn't, um, you know, to do a little bit more. Maybe it is spending that additional time, or maybe it is, you know, sending that additional email. Whatever that looks like, it's not the expectation, but you do it because you care. Mm-hmm. And and I and I see that a lot in in you know the the corporate world where we talk about three hundred and sixty feedback, you know like could you imagine what three hundred and sixty feedback would look like for a teacher? Oh yeah, like the student is just like bullshit. Not enough popsicles. <laughs> right. uh, recess is way too short. Yeah, like like yeah. <laughs> like it's not it's not reality. But whenever right. we we look to assess, we look at what was your test score. You mm-hmm. know how how well did you do? So. Are you putting in that additional time with the student? And I think there are a lot of teachers that want to do that or they, you know, they set out to do that. They set out to make a difference. They didn't go to school to be a teacher because they're like, you know, uh, what's the easiest possible job? Because there I can are tell some you, people. like being a, te- like being a teacher is definitely, that is no, not the job. I don't want that. Yeah. Like if no. you, if you're like, I want the easiest possible thing and you decide to go be a teacher, like, yeah, well, no. Yeah. But, but still, when are you making that decision? You're a high school kid that doesn't know any better when you're making that decision, typically. But I think you make that decision based on the influence that you had, too. You know, like, you decide to be a teacher because you had somebody that influenced you or impacted you on that level that made you think, hey, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, what you did resonated with me, and I want to do that, too. Uh, I think that that's the majority of teachers out there. Yeah, I I also think there's a a lot of people that pursue it because... Summers off. They have summers off, right? That, no, I mean, that, that right off the bat, off not all do, but that's a very appealing aspect to a job. Uh, they have typically a good retirement. And this know, is where I'm coming full circle. They and can I, retire at a decent age. But what do you get paid? I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, it depends on where you are and, and, and that, what you do. And that's, the, that's what really, I think, at, typically the, starts at the core low. gets me. Because if if you're going to if you're working for a Fortune you know 500 company whatever mm. you're incentivized by your your performance right like and, and you're hitting that performance is hitting a, a metric it's hitting a KPI mm-hmm. um, but whenever you're a teacher you know like that can become a little more ambiguous you know whatever that that mark right. is because it's influenced by so many different things you can make the decision uh, as an individual that you're going to hit that mark, but there are so many different things that impact your ability to get there. And it's, is everybody that I'm teaching on the same level? Absolutely not. Right. And their skills are going to be different too. Their personalities are all going to be different. They're all going to learn different. Yet we try to put them all in one box and say, this is how you need to learn. And this is what you need to learn. And not everybody needs to learn the same things, and not everybody's going to learn it the same way. No, you're right. And the reason that I bring this up, and it's the reason it's such a touchy subject for me, is I didn't learn until way late in life that I had ADD. Um, why? That was never, like, I, I would ace test. I mean, but I was, I could not focus in, like, to do homework. Like, I could not. Oh, man. I, I, I was awful. And and especially now when I run into people that I went to school with or, 
um, you know, teachers, they're, they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, really you like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, me, you know, because I, I, I took steps to, to, you know, to, to figure out what it is that was preventing me from being able to get to that place. Mm-hmm. That discretionary effort wasn't there for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it maybe then to their, <laughs> to their credit, ADD wasn't something that was widely talked about. It was still relatively unknown. It was, mm-hmm. you know, this, it was a concept at that point, but I think about this a lot in, in, in our society where we have this, this idea of, you know, what, what a good job looks like. And, you know, are, are we making a contribution? Because it, at the end of the day, like we don't just, and, and maybe I'm just, this is just me speaking, uh, but I don't just aimlessly like go to work and you know, to do mediocre, like to do a right. mediocre job to like, mm-hmm. that's just not who I am. No, but some people do. And I, and I don't know, but then I would ask, where does that energy or effort go? Because it's going somewhere. You know what I mean? Like whether it's they're spending that time or, you know, it's like putting it toward either social media presence or, you know, gaming or, you know, like the, this week's activity, softball, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that, that energy and effort, it's going somewhere. Yeah. You know, like we're not void of it. And I don't think you can escape it. Like you're, you're a functional being. You've right. got to be doing something. Yeah, but uh, I think there's a there's a lot of jobs out there that aren't. I'll say that they that that aren't meant to be careers. That if you're a worker that has made a job a career, <laughs> I don't know how else to word it. Then you're one of those guys. You probably wake up. You're not happy to go to work, but you just go. You punch the clock. You do what you need to do for the time that you need to do it. You exchange your time for money, and you're done. And there is no incentive for that guy to do any better. He's not getting bonuses off of rewards. He's not getting paid any better than the guy to the left or the right of him that's doing a worse job than, than he might be doing um, by whatever metric that's measured by <laughs> wherever he works with the expectations that they weren't even given to meet. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a mess from top to bottom in a lot of cases for a lot of people. And everybody has the ability to break out of that. But not everybody wants to. And kind of to your point with with like the homework and stuff, I was the same exact way. I see absolutely no value in busy work. If I know the content and you gave me homework for that, I didn't I didn't do it. I remember in geometry class, I forget it doesn't matter the name of the teacher, but uh, I was setting the curve, which is a whole nother thing. So grades are being manipulated because, of, you know, there's a curve. It's like, okay, well, maybe the content wasn't taught properly. So if the best student in the class isn't acing the test, then maybe the test was written unfairly based off of what they were taught and whatever. So the grades get manipulated from the beginning, which is why standardized test scores all matter to, to, to their measuring and stuff for that. But anyways, I never did my homework. But I was consistently setting the curve on the tests. And she took me to the side one day. She's like, you have a C in the class. Because the homework was, was for points. It was like five points every single night. And I wouldn't do it. And she's like, why don't you just do your homework? You'd have the highest grade in the class. I said, obviously, I don't need the homework. <laughs> you know, I'll take my C because I know what I'm, I know the content. I'm setting the curve. Why am I going to go home and do homework? It's it, it, I have no value yeah. for that. But now in my prof- professional life, it's whenever work needs to get done, I get it done. It doesn't matter if it takes extra effort, if it's on the nights, if it's on the weekend. I was just working on Sunday for most of the day on Sunday because I had something that was bidding this week and I had other stuff going on this week that I needed to get done. So... I made that decision. Nobody asked me to work on Sunday, but I am also incentivized on, you know, what I do. I get paid commission. I'm not just a straight time for money. So the grade in the class was not your incentive. Like that didn't, it didn't motivate you. No, that wasn't an incentivized incentivization for me at all. Right. So what what not at all. If I was going to pass and I didn't have to do busy work to do it, I was going to, I was going to do that. But what would have been? Like, what would it like if if, if, if I was going to fail? Right. So, I mean, I would have done it just because I don't want to repeat the class. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I, 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 I don't want to fail. But I how mean, many you throw that word are, out there, but it's like. How many people are motivated by that, though? By, by what? Not, the grade? No, no. It, it's. I, I'm, I'm with you. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I was not the homework guy, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> and we'll talk about it at, at some other point, I'm sure. But how many people go through life with this, like, that need the fire under their ass all the time? That it's like their, their idea of success is just not failure. Mm-hmm. Anything that's not failure is success to me. And, and I think about that a lot because, like, when we think about what a good job is, we we always think about it, you know, from our lens, and we don't ever really look at it going upward, you know. Like, so the the what was the expectation your teacher? Right. What did her boss say? Was right. it like, or his boss, or whatever? Was it give them they're going to have X amount of homework and. Maybe that was the, ex- the expectation for them, so that's exactly what they did. Because mm-hmm. in their eyes, you know, success was this, you know, this model. But in her head, obviously, she didn't think it was fair to me because she brought right. it up to me, and she's, like, but she still gave me a C in the class, even though I knew the con- I knew the content better than anyone else in the class. Yeah. So, you, and you said <laughs> yeah. something else about you know where there are people that come. They, they, that are, they go to work, they do what they need to do, and then they go home. And in that scenario, that's where, in a larger organization, it's the job of that manager, that, you know, supervisor, that, you know, direct, whatever, to identify that and say, no, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. That you're going to be involved. You're going to, you're going to give more. Because it's that's the expectation, not because I personally have this thing where I feel that you need, because it's your peers that you're letting them down, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where we we lose sight of it. But then when we we zoom all the way out, and it, this is where it really gets me, is where are we going? We're just gonna keep getting so good at just getting so good. No. And it's like, what? what <laughs> like, what? I don't think. I think we're gonna go the uh, no. It's going to get worse, right? Because As technology gets better. Yeah. So something that something that became obvious to me was, you know, years ago. Uh, well, this is like you know, not even years ago, 2015, 2016, um, Amazon. I remember their stock price was somewhere around, I don't know, hundred, two hundred dollars, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I was talking with someone about, you know, that, that worked there um, about there's no way that it's ever going to be over a thousand dollars a share, like. That was the conversation we were having because it just wasn't realistic. It didn't make sense, right? Like, but I also looked at the amount of the talent pool that that Amazon was pulling. I'm looking at LinkedIn and I'm seeing all these people that are, you know, I'm working at Amazon and these are really intelligent people. Mm -hmm. And then I see these programs that they're putting in place, you know, where, you know, they have the ability, like you're going to, they incentivize you like nobody else to be the best, you know, to, to come in and to think about this thing, you know, in a, in a way that no one else has. And, I, and that's that was really the the model for their success, right? Mm-hmm. But think about it. How many of those kids are going to go, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to teach. And that, that's, the, that's the thing that really kind of gets me is, we're getting really good at, you know, like capitalism, like the game of it. Like if, if we're, if we're doing monopoly, if that's what we're living, like we're awesome at it. Mm-hmm. We're killing it to the point where we're realizing that, Oh, wait a second. We didn't really leave room for anything else mm-hmm. because when we think about what a good job looks like, we think about, you know, is my, are my parents going to be proud of me and what I've done? Have I made the most of this opportunity? Is, am I okay with where I'm at? And a lot of that has to do with, you know, like that, what we've talked about. And it's like that outward appearance and it's, you know, how to, you know, what's the perception of me? Uh, am I doing a good job? Mm-hmm. So when we think of it that way, I, I think that it's, there are opportunities and, and it creates a ton of noise in your day and it creates a ton of, ton of pressure, mm-hmm. really. Um, because you're always trying to find a way to be better than, you know, this, this thing or this idea. And 
something that didn't occur to me until not too very long ago is that you know everybody wants to to rule the world you know everybody wants to be you know their own their own great like whatever that is like everybody aspires to something at some point mm-hmm. um if you if you didn't and you don't like you're you're lying to yourself i i know that like the reality of it is the only choice you have in it is showing up every day purposeful and being better than you were the day before. That's it. I agree with that hundred percent measuring yourself against yourself. And we talked about this in like the first episode Yeah, is the, is the best way that you're going to grow to, to look at, at yourself and compare yourself to, to anybody else really, or to look towards some kind of social status or something that's, that's not achievable. I think, Setting achievable goals for yourself is key too, right? So, if you're looking at if you're looking at Mount Everest and, and you want to climb Mount Everest, you don't go straight to the top. <laughs> you know, you have a plan that you're mapped out, and this is where I got to go, and this is where I'm going to camp overnight, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to go this far, and this is the route I'm going to take. You need to do that in life too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you baby steps. You're not going to get there if you're focused on the goal. Something that um. You know, for anybody that actually sees this, might notice is that, you know, like I have braces on my teeth. Like that was not something that, you know, I ever intended to do. I, I, I honestly hated the idea of it. Um, and I felt in certain ways, you know, whenever I was younger, that like I was more, it gave me a different perspective because there are people that, you know, coming from this position, um, are not overly there. You're being judged immediately. You know, there, there's a, a small window where people are looking at certain things and they're looking, you had to toe and making an assumption or judgment about you. And it, and it, there are actually books and there, there are theories on like where the, the initial and first impression is typically the, the most impactful. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time when, when you don't have a, a, a nice smile, you're being judged for that and and your like points are automatically deducted and in some ways for me it was an opportunity to be you know the underdog you know i immediately i'm not at all what someone expects so it gives me the opportunity to do better and exceed the expectation kind of like your point about you the know like the match over deliver yeah, yeah absolutely but the reason that i did it um was you know when when my daughter was born this there was something that was really important to me because I started to notice in pictures where like I would kind of like, I was a closed lip smile all the time. Mm-hmm. I hated getting my picture taken and I didn't want, you know, to be in that situation where my daughter graduates high school and we're standing there and I'm like, and I'm doing this closed lip smile, you know, like mm-hmm. she deserves to know how proud I am of her. My, you know, my, my friends, my family, my wife, they deserve to know that, like outward, I am I am elated for you, mm-hmm. and when I when I thought about that, um, I was like, man, there, what am I waiting on? Uh, because I'm afraid that as an adult, someone's going to look at me and go, what what? It, like I'll look at that guy, and the only way you get to that place is you know where you're able to navigate. It's like I I don't care what anybody thinks at this point. You know, mm-hmm. like not only did I. Do I not care? I started a podcast with video. <laughs> That's how much I don't care. Hesitantly. About, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Like I, yeah. I knew. Yeah. It, and, but it, like, that's how much I don't care about what you think. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't and you, for things you, like that. You have to. So you, like the point is when you think about like, how do I, how do I manage, like, how do I manage this thing? Right. Like, the only the only thing you have control over is like being better a little bit every day and focusing on being better. It's making a commitment to being better, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. So like whenever people are like, oh yeah, yeah but it depends on what is considered better. What's a good job? I don't know. Right. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, exactly. It, and it, it and always it, depends. It does depend. Um, it depends. It, it depends on so many things. Um, you know, for me, it, it depended on, you know, whether or not I was going to be okay with, you know, my daughter, you know, seeing me with that closed lip smile. I know that she would know that I was proud of her. I don't think there would be any doubt. But I, I, outwardly, I wanted her to know that 
you know, things are hard and you're going to be, you're going to be faced with challenges and uphill battles and, you know, things are not always going to work out the way that you want them to. But if you, if you care enough and you work hard enough at it, that things are going to work out like, and it takes sacrifice. Uh, That's something that is, you know, I talked about that a long time ago, but I think that's a lost concept. Like, sacrifice mm-hmm. no i'm not doing that dog like uh, you want me to work saturday no <laughs> thursday evening after six softball sorry yeah. yeah sorry about you like i will go work at jimmy john's before i continue down this like yeah i mean it's definitely gone and not more to and more that knock way. jimmy john's like man they got great sandwiches yeah, I love great jimmy company. John's. like the guy you know uh, there's there's a there's a lot about the company i admire but yeah yeah but i think the thing about your the smile and everything though too is that's a decision that you could have made one way or the other is, you know, say you hadn't got the braces and you got to that point, your daughter's graduating and you're happy and you, that's a decision that you make. Is it more important to you to, to exude your happiness for her with a, no, with a full face smile no, or that, that's what it outwardly was. Um, but internally that's something that, that I had to come to terms with also. Mm-hmm. is that there was this self-conscious, you know, part like where, where, you know, maybe you don't feel good enough. Maybe, you know, you, you feel like these are the things that are holding you back or whatever that is. And, you know, having the courage to be able to speak about it, it's, you know, the ability to be vulnerable. Like you have to. Yeah. People don't want to be vulnerable no, not, anymore. Not at all. That's why it, you see in social media, like we talked about, I mean, people are, they are different people on social media than they are in real life. And, yeah. you know, I've said the dad bod thing before. I said it right before we started the podcast. I need to get less fat. Like, I don't like how fat I am. It's not because I feel like other people are judging me. They probably are. You're a handsome man. I, don't I, really, about. I really don't care if people are judging me for being, being a little bit overweight. You know, I'm happy. I do the best I can in life. I treat people well. And, you know, I'm pursuing doing stuff like this podcast and uh i'm 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 doing more for myself than i ever have and it's it's good to 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 do things for yourself yeah (laughs) i think and not worry so much about the noise and what other people think you know social media has really exacerbated that like everybody's so worried about what other people think and they're always trying to keep up with the Joneses and they're always trying to meet some kind of social status or I, I have this or I did this and, and whatever. And it's like, man, I, I really don't care what other people think of me in that aspect. What I care about what people think of me is how I treated them personally. You know, whenever we had interactions, was I nice to them? Did I offer a hand when they needed help with something? That's what's important to me. When somebody's reading my eulogy, I, they're not going to give a fuck what I did for a living. <laughs> they're not no. going to care. They don't even know, most most people don't even know what I do. The you know if I went to if I went to the the closest twenty people to me and asked them, explain to me what I do for a living. Maybe two people would be able to tell me. Maybe and probably not. There's so much I would love to say about this, but I, I can't um, <laughs> yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, but, you know, I don't think you have any concerns there, Doc. I, I, you, I, I know that that's something that you care about, um, and, and it shows in every possible way. Um, I don't think that there's any, any doubt there. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always something that I'm thinking about, and and. It doesn't have to be somebody you know. It does not just being nice to people you know. It's just being nice to people. Sometimes it's hard. I held a door. I was in Iowa for for a, a job years ago. Whenever I traveled for work, I held a door for these two old ladies. The first one walked in real slow. She had a walker. The second one walks in and she said, "That's my mother. She turns a hundred today." Nice. She's like, "I'm her daughter. I'm eighty-two." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's awesome!" Like, and she and she thanked me for for holding. So, you know, it's such it's so good to to meet a young man that's you know willing to hold a door. You know, these days, and this was this was probably fifteen years ago. Uh, whenever this happened, so I was twenty three ish, or whenever I whenever I was doing that that work, and uh, 
it just really left an impact on her and this is an old lady and you know, you. All like, and me all you have to do is hold a door for somebody and it can make their day there, there's fulfillment in that clearly for you for you me know, like, for sure yeah you know, like it's it's you know being able to you know like it's those gratif- like gratifying moments to know like i impacted you know the outcome in, in in a positive way a part of me wishes and i i have the complete total control to change this in my life if i wanted to but i would love to do something like just help people for a living you i don't know could. but i'm an introvert yeah, well, you could probably start a podcast. So, <laughs> be a good start. Maybe let's uh, <laughs> help them. I, I help don't them. know how helpful this is. Maybe help them uh, quell the fray <laughs> the, a little. I can help people quell the fray. Yeah, I, I would I, love to help people quell the fray for I a living. It's it, it. It doesn't have to be. It's, it's something you know. I think the people all they're always looking for this this aha moment. This like you know this sign. Whatever it is, like it's got like there has to be some sort of um, you know, like a tangible object at the end of it, you know, like th- that I, I accomplished this thing. And the reality of it is like, I, this helps. And I mean, in so many ways that like, Hey, you're not the only one, you know, there are other people out there that are, that are, they're thinking exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that, uh, there was just today, as a matter of fact, I, I saw, that there was an article that came out um, where they're saying now, um, the Surgeon General is saying now that loneliness is more deadly than smoking. Like the the, the effects are that dire. Oh, yeah. that, that there are people that feel alone and isolated mm-hmm. because we have we've become reclusive. We we don't share these things hourly. Like we're we're afraid to be vulnerable to the point where, you know, we're, we're, we're opening up to somebody because of that fear of rejection. Like, uh, if I say that, and, and I was really bad at this all through, you know, my, especially like uh, school, high school, yeah, yeah. Uh, middle school. Um, I, I really struggled with, you know, like I was always, like, I was a funny kid. I, I really was mm-hmm. like, I'm not, yeah. and I'm saying no, that you, like, were. you, you, you still are very yeah. funny. <laughs> like I enjoy comedy. Yeah. But like there are certain people that I would get around. And I'm like, oh. like I just like turn into this different person yeah, yeah. to where they would probably have loved to known like who that was, mm-hmm. that like the comical kid, the goofy kid. But because I I put such like you know I held them to this you know idea I, that I never had that that you know that type of engagement or interaction with them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until years and years later now even like coming back here where you know kind of the shoe is kind of on the other foot where you know i I don't necessarily need that validation or i don't feel that i need that validation Mm -hmm. and it's you know i've had some interactions with some of those folks and it's it's very much like you know take it or leave it like i i mean great you know they're great a lot of them are great people but uh, it's not i i don't i'm not going to go home and think about it but when you're in school like that's your whole day that's it like that's and I think that especially kids today, I don't know how you do it because that, that presence is following you all the way home. Oh yeah. To your phone, to your iPad, to your you know, your laptop yeah, it's screen. Yeah, it doesn't quit and it starts as soon as you wake up in the morning, reach over. Right. There there's no there's no safe haven anymore. There's no place of, you know, like solitude. Um, because that noise is gonna be there. And that that's terrifying. I you know, thinking about having kids in this environment. Um, yeah, it's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, it, it is, but we can do things as parents to, to, uh, I don't know the right word to, to, to mold that your actions are gonna, they're going to mimic your, your actions and they're going to develop habits that you have. So one of the things, one of the rules that we have in our house is like no devices at dinner. No device like at the dinner table at home. No devices if we're going out to a restaurant. I it, it, one of the things that bothers me a lot is whenever I see a family come in and they sit down in a restaurant and they all pull out their d- devices. You know the kids have tablets, the parents have their phones, and it's like, what are you doing? It's funny to hear you say that because 
you like and, and no offense you saying it is a, it's a judgment right like it is a judgment yeah like i'm you, not sure i mean yeah. they can do what they want right <laughs> but and, what i'm saying is that's a decision that they made yeah and and why because like and, and it goes back to our first episode like there are no heroes there are no villains right mm-hmm. like there's no and i don't think anybody sets out to be the bad guy in this scenario there are a lot of people that i that i find that are like nodding their head like yeah that's like i know and like mm-hmm. they're just getting riled up right now pissed about it like, oh yeah but the reality yeah. is like because i i know that i know that because i i've, I've spent the time watching that mm-hmm. enough to try to understand it and it's that I don't want to make a scene here because it, like if I don't give my kid that iPad or that phone or whatever that is, yeah. they're going to be an absolute nightmare for everybody in this restaurant. That's where I differ. Well, it, I don't care. It, right. You don't care. <laughs> I, I don't want my kid to be, to be a terror for the restaurant. Don't get me wrong, but I, so we didn't give our kids pacifiers whenever they were babies either. The whole concept of pacifying is, Society has is now doing it from beginning to end. Every aspect of life is some kind of pacification <laughs> to make you happy very short term. Whereas I feel like that just doesn't do anything for the root cause. The whole medical system is set up this way too. They just prescribe you drugs for your oh, symptoms shit. instead of actually figuring out why the hell something's wrong with you you know you're having you're eating too much sugar you're not getting enough vitamin d you're you're eating too many seed oils you know you have your red dye 40 and yellow six that you're eating at every turn of the clock you know it's there's so many things that are screwing people up but why and and that's that's the that's the question that we don't ask a lot of the time because we're we we do get consumed with those facts, and the, and the, and it's and it's easy to to find people that agree with you on it, right? Mm-hmm. So something that became apparent to me, um, you know, once upon a time, I had an impinged hip. Uh, seemingly, like it, worst thing that could happen to you? No, I was you know in my late twenties, um, but it it hurt, didn't feel good, mm-hmm. and I remember going to my doctor at the time. And that doctor was like very quick to prescribe, you know, pain medicine. And, and I initially was like, okay, like if that's, that's what, like you're a doc, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what this is, but when you take a step back, what if he didn't? I'm going to sue him. Right. Like, is that, that's, that's, that's what they're afraid of. But, but uh, under what grounds though? So malpractice. How it's not malpractice though. Yeah, uh, I bet you you could find another doctor that's going to prescribe you the medication and go. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. And what happens when you overdose on it? Malpractice, right? It, right. Like exactly, it's a lose lose situation. So, so like, why would you want to be a doctor anymore? Because yeah. this, this is a fear. I, I wouldn't. You know, they're they're dealing with, and and I think yeah. that they do the best that they can, especially you know, like the opioid the opioid ep- epidemic definitely yeah. opened some eyes to. Yeah you know, the, the ramifications of, you know, that behavior, but it, it was a real concern. Um, you know, when you're, you're a doctor, maybe you don't know, you know, any better, like it's you're early in your career. It's like, I'm just trying to do a good job, right? Mm-hmm. That's what a good job looks like, but we're not really doing a good job, are we? And, and that's, that's what happens when we, we look at it for this, like you said, we're, we're looking at the symptom. We're not looking at, we're not looking at the root cause. We, we've made an assessment based on this information that we have. But the reality is, like, how readily available is that information to everybody else? Mm-hmm. Are they looking for it? Are they open to it? And a lot of the time, the answer is no. They're right. not. No. And, and that's the real concern, is that we were so concerned about image. We're so concerned about the idea that we spend less time thinking about what really needs to happen? You know, if it's, you know, taking the embarrassment of having your kid throw a temper tantrum, you know, maybe that's what has to happen. Maybe the consequence is, is, is what you focus on for the, for the kid. And, and they're going to vary depending on the individual. Like, yeah, you know, maybe they're not going to respond. Maybe they're, you're not going to eat at Olive Garden. And as a parent, you got to be okay with that. Yeah. Walking out and just being like, you know, sucks. But, uh, 
we're not doing that today. Yeah, yeah. And now the kid goes home and has to think about, like, now I'm starving. It's like, eat lint. I don't care. Like, <laughs> pick your toes. Like, right. eat your whatever. I don't care. Like, right. And, and that's something that your kids are going to learn is they're going to learn your style of parenting and the consequences to their actions, you know? There's no right, wrong no. way to parent. There's not. You know, everybody's going to do it their own way. If if it's everybody on devices at the dinner table, then that's what it is. But it's something my, my mom talks about all the time. Uh, like when I was a kid, um, she was like the, the helicopter parent that like wanted to make sure I was bundled up really well to go outside. It's like every parent now. Yeah. And we laugh about it because like my cousin's, or not that like they're my aunts and uncle like they didn't give a sh- like they're just like go out and play like you like it's middle of winter and they're out there Meh. in a t-shirt just running around <laughs> and the fun like my mom would like laugh because i was always sick they weren't these kids were never sick it was like they just go down and drink crick water like yeah that's crick not creek crick uh, <laughs> <Crick> water <laughs> and somehow it's like they're drinking from the fountain of youth. I found a crawfish. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> just, just you know, not it that over, you know, protective, you know, mindset in some ways. Like, she, you know, we talk about this now. She thinks maybe that affected, you know, some of the, the things, you know, like that maybe, maybe it did have an impact. There's no, you know, there's no manual out there. You know, like whenever I was, I don't know how many people I, and it's sad to think about, didn't have a car seat, like a car seat. Like what the hell was that? I remember jumping. I mean, I was probably five years old. I remember jumping in the, my, my, uh, grandpa had a galaxy 500 with a, just a bench seat across the front and we'd sit right up there with him and he would, I mean, he let me steer the car when I was just a. (laughs) A little right. kid, you know. I remember being uh I was eight, nine, ten years old, and I was shifting the my mom always drove a manual and she would let me shift for her. So she would go and she'd tell me when and I'd go like this, and then it got to a point where she was letting me shift and drive for her. So I'm in the passenger seat, shifting the car, driving <laughs> like this. Jesus. She's just working the pedals. Reading a magazine. Yeah. And then when I <laughs> and then when I was twelve years old, I you know, my pap took me out to the field with the truck and I he let me drive his truck, which was a stick, and you know, this is the good old days. You know, you, you weren't worried about. It. You went in the back of the truck. We used to go. We get. We used to go to trips to amusement park. My dad would put a, a a mattress in the bed of the truck, and he had a cap on the back of the truck. So we would throw a cooler in there. We'd have a bunch of friends. We'd go to the amusement park. We're all eating and drinking stuff out of the cooler on a mattress in the back of the truck, right. and like nobody cares. I can't. Tell you the amount <laughs> of times awesome. that I rode in the back of a of a truck, like on a on a you know like a, a free like a byway, you know, yeah. like not like we wouldn't get on the interstate or anything like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, um, one of the families that we know very well, I spent a lot of time with them, and you know that was something that you know um, Dave would we would go to events or whatever, and there's so many uh, of us that like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go <laughs> like rent a van? No, like you yeah. just kids pile in the back of the truck as long mm-hmm. as the weather's good and 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 off you go but uh yeah a lot of time uh spent in in the you know in the back of a truck but i think about it now my daughter will not be getting in the back no. of the truck that's right. just not happening <laughs> right like, yeah yeah mine uh, either yeah like it's if i saw there it's it's there's a book um and and i was i'm going to bring it up at some point but just you know for sake of the conversation one of the things that comes up it's um crucial accountability is that this this family shows up, the kid goes out, um, I think it's like a cousin or relative or whatever, kid runs out, um, jumps in the back of a pickup truck, and the, the family is like, you know, they're going to go to the park or whatever. You know, it's like your, your kid's friend's family or whatever. Um, and the kid, you know, your kid jumps in the back of the truck, and then there are these, like, it, it stops. You know, like, time stops in this moment in the book because you're, you're having to try to make this determination of how you're going to handle it. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the, the uh, scenarios as it you know plays out is your spouse is okay with it, but you're not. So what do you do? Do you say something? Do you speak up? Do you, or for the sake of keeping things cordial, do you, you know, keep your, you know, just, all right, well, if she's not saying anything, I'm good with it. Apparently it's a good idea. 
<laughs> like she knows better. Like she knows everything. She cooks. Like she <laughs> she watches this kid every you know cooks for it. Watches it. You know, like yeah. she knows about that thing. I don't. I like like it's a device. She knows about that. Yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. Like like your kids and like the yeah. VCR that you just don't know how to operate. Yeah. So you're just like, all right, yeah, whatever. You just you, you, sure. Yeah, well, and the kids play some wires together, and yeah, the kids start to learn too. Like they'll 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 ask mom for something, and she'll say no, and then they come running to to you, you and they're like, "Can I do this?" And it's like, "Well, did you ask your mother?" Yeah, I'm I'm just I I default that's happening now. It's like, and it's like, do you do you know who I am? Like, I'm I'm your dad. I do I look like I know the answer to <laughs> that? Like I, I always uh, consult with my wife. Does that look like a, a question that, that you should be asking me? Right. Because like, clearly right. I know this was discussed and like, <laughs> I am not the guy. Yeah. I don't know how many fruit snacks you've had. Yeah, exactly. At all. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, it. It's at like, all. can I have a cookie? It's like, I have no idea. But the fact like, that you're asking you me is today? suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Highly suspect. <laughs> right. Your intentions. Uh, I, we're uh, we're going to talk about those. I, I, I do. I will say, uh, at least for the time being, when I ask them, I believe them. You know, if they if I if they say, "Can I have a cookie?" and I said, "Did you have anything sweet today?" I believe them if they tell me no. Yeah. They haven't got to the point yet where it's like they're going to say whatever they 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 want to say yeah, to get uh, what they want. No, daddy, you know, come <laughs> to think of it, uh, no. all I had was some celery sticks, um, carrot sticks, and uh, some uh, low-fat ranch dressing. Yeah. I'm, I'm famished. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I could really use that snack yeah. cake. <laughs> I, I really need that <laughs> <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my daughter is uh, four, so... Um, the scary thing is that that's that's the level she's operating on. So I'm, I'm <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm concerned. <laughs> we can sneak and get the gummy bears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she does. Like, I I, so one day I'm, I walk down. There's like this. She has this little tent, and like no, it was actually it was like a um, there's a really cute thing Target did. It was like a cardboard, um, you know, color me type Santa's elf house or whatever mm-hmm. so she's like dad i come play and i'm, I'm like uh, okay so I, I follow her down and she's like come in my house and i like i can't get in this thing so like i like i try to crawl in and the first like i there's a blanket and there's like teddy bears and like there's a whole ambient like there's a whole scene happening in there um and i like crawl in and i move the blanket aside and there's this bag of hershey kisses and i'm like <laughs> what are these doing here and she's like i put them there like no, like, not at all. Like, I don't. She knew that there's yeah. not like yeah. consequence. Be damned. Like, I I put them there. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do, <laughs> chump? Like, like, I don't know what to do with this right now. Like, uh, well, that's a good trait, though. Yeah, she's very own honest. Up, own up to your actions. Yeah, she definitely owns up to it. But it's 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 a lot. Um, you know, whenever your little human is operating, you know, beyond your. Your, you know, your capacity at such yeah. an early, early age. Yeah, and and I, I probably don't say it to my kids enough, and the older ones specifically, that, and she knows because we we've told her, but I, we'll see how whenever she starts to hit like the teenage years and stuff, how things go. But uh, to make it clear to them that they can come to you for anything, you know, there's so whether many. they. Like they need to know that you're not just gonna blow a, a lid on them when they did something wrong, and they may have knew they were doing something wrong at the time, and you know that may have some other kind of consequence unrelated to you associated with it. But th- they need to know that you have their back. Yeah, for right? sure. And it, it's it can't be too far the other way. Like sometimes yeah. I feel like. I feel like a tour guide, you know, like uh, like you see in Vegas Vacation, where the guys give them the tour of the damn damn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's kind of how I like. Like I don't clearly just blow things off, but like I feel like I have a. It's my job. Yeah. At times where and it, and I and I have to really be aware or that I'm I'm trying to feed them too much. It's like you know she's she's a little kid. It's like and strangers. Let me tell you about those strangers. Like. Like, and oh and don't do like and you want to tell them so much yeah 
It, it's hard. It's a it's a, it's a delicate balance. It, so what's gonna what's gonna do that more so than telling them? And, and this is is probably a, one of the reasons why we don't say it as much as we should is that's gonna that's gonna show itself in your actions over time. They're gonna see that whenever they come to you and they did something wrong, they're gonna know how you react. And they're gonna learn that over time. It's not it's not gonna matter what you say. It's gonna matter what they observed of you over time. And they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna learn, right? And they're gonna know it doesn't matter if daddy says he's not gonna get mad if I go to him with a problem. He always gets mad when he's I go to him with a problem. Yeah, he's right. gonna lose his mind. They're gonna know, and then they're not gonna come to you whenever they have something that that's an issue or something important that they need to take care of. Like, oh, we caught the cat on fire, and you're like, you know what? I didn't like him anyway. Yeah. So I, I sat. In, <laughs> I sat in a. I, I sat in a presentation today. There was a keynote speaker at the vendor show I was at, and the guy told a story about uh, his what he was traveling. He travel. He's a motivational speaker. He travels all over the place. His wife called him, and the first thing she said whenever he answered the phone was, "Don't be mad." So then, of course, he's thinking like, "Oh, fuck, you know what? What happened?" Right? She sends him a picture, and he told a little bit of a story before this about whenever it snows and how he gets the snow off the car. He likes to like take the car and like drive fast and like, get the snow to blow off the car. That's like how he does it, <laughs> right? But his wife sent a picture of his nine-year-old son up on top of their SUV with a spade shovel. Not even like a snow with a spade shovel. Just like scratching the shit out of the top of the car to get in the snow off for his mom. Because, and the guy like took that and he said he started crying whenever he looked at the picture. After she said, don't get mad. Like he was processing everything and he just got real emotional over the fact that he's like, man, I, like... I never, I never taught him even what a snow shovel was, <laughs> like was his thought. And he's like, or like a brush to brush it off the car. You know, he's like, so he took that as a failure on his part that, you know, he didn't. And the kid had the most well-intended, you know, he was trying to help his mom get the snow off the car. He just didn't know how to do it. And this kind of goes back to how, how do you know what to do? at work if the expectations weren't set and you weren't shown how to do something. Yeah. Did he, he didn't do a bad job, right? Yeah. I mean, did he? No. I mean, he got the snow off the car, but was it a good job? He messed the car up, so, <laughs> you know, and it's, you and it's dents and scratches in the top of it. And it's like, he tried to do a good job to the exactly. best way he knew how. And that's exactly it. And that, and that's, you know, coming full circle. That's exactly uh, what, you know, that's why I wanted to talk about this today mm -hmm. because there are so many scenarios where this, this comes to light where, you know, I, we talked about this so many times that no one, we, I don't think that anyone really just intends to be an asshole. Like people, people don't just run around just going like, I, what kind of mayhem can I cause today? Mm -hmm. There, there are things that happen that we have to be aware that like, you know, maybe we're, we're accountable for that in a, in some sort of way. We have to own our part in it too. And if, if the expectation was never clear and we didn't set it, especially when we think about our kids, like yeah. we can't be upset with them because mm -hmm. it's a, it's a root of it. The kid was trying to do something nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like exactly. So do you, do you reward the, that's the behavior that needs to be rewarded because like genuinely trying to do something nice, like it gets lost because mm -hmm. in doing so you damage something else. Right. Um, I, don't know, I guess that it goes like the road to hell was paved with good intentions. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, right. That's exactly it. Quell the fray. Quell the fray. And if you enjoyed any of this, if <laughs> we what if we said anything <laughs> whatsoever that you found amusing um, or resonated with you whatsoever, um, please follow us um, on one of the many platforms that we're currently on: yeah, uh, Spotify, Document. Apple, Amazon, iHeart whatever yeah uh youtube twitter tiktok instagram all the things yeah everything under the metaverse <laughs> except for yeah or uh, don't and i'm sure some of you will just tackle us which is fine too yeah because that helps the algorithm as well right um 
last thing I'm going to say on the subject is, hey, like we're not professionals. We don't have all the answers. Uh, we're just a couple of regular guys um, that are doing a, a regular job at mm-hmm. uh, putting this out there. Um, anything that we say is, you know, is, is strictly for fun and to be thought provoking. Um, but this is all for entertainment purposes. Absolutely. This week we do have something different. Uh, you'll see on our, uh, on our opening, um, you know, please follow a very talented band, uh, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, phasing, uh, their first, um, actual release bed bugs. Um, we will be utilizing that as a, as our, our opener um, mm-hmm. going forward, but um, check them out. They're on Bandcamp, um, Instagram. I think it's Phasing WI. Um, and I believe they're on some other platforms, but very talented group. Um, please check them out.